quick word from this week's sponsor, Explore Learning. Explore Learning are the leaders in personalised learning. So they help children learn at a pace and level that is unique to them using an adaptive curriculum. So like me, Explore Learning believes that every child has a unique, amazing mind. So learning needs to be personalised to them. Now, as we all know, sometimes those unique needs aren't always met in a really busy classroom. And that is where Explore Learning comes in. They use an adaptive curriculum that introduces children to what they need to know when they need to know it. Their tuition, whether online or in centre, is delivered by amazing expert tutors who work really hard to build trusting relationships with the children, which helps engage them in the lessons and helps them get the most from their learning. So if you want to help your child unlock the joy of learning this year, then you can save £50 at Explore Learning from the 14th of Jan to the 25th of Feb. Tuition is available in 95 Ofsted registered vibrant learning centres throughout the UK or online at explorelearning.co.uk. That's explorelearning.co.uk. Welcome to another episode of Motherkind. I am your host, Zoe Blasky. This is the show that is going to help you navigate the massive challenges of motherhood and life with more self-awareness, ease, joy, and purpose. Thanks to each and every one of you that come back every week to listen, learn, and feel inspired. If you love the podcast, can you do me a favor and hit subscribe? It really does help. I was looking at the stats the other day. And about only half of you who listen every week are subscribed. So please do hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening now. This week's guest is Becky Adlington OBE. She is the greatest swimmer that Great Britain has ever produced. She is a multiple Olympic, World, Commonwealth and European medalist and a mum of two young children. In this episode, we chat about her experience of divorce and co-parenting, juggling a growing business with her swim academy called Swim Stars, and what it was like for her being so successful, so young. Here it is. I hope you love it. Becky, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to chat to you and yeah, just to learn a bit more about you and your experience of motherhood. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm excited too. So we are recording this in December, but we're going to release it in January. So I've got two questions. The first one is, how are you handling the craziness of December? I think of it as like, you know, the mental load Olympics for mums. What's going on for you in December? December is like the most stressful, manic, but also fun time. Like I genuinely love Christmas. Like I'm a Christmas girl. It's my favorite time of year from that aspect. I've always loved Christmas. So I love it from that aspect, but it's super busy. I work full time. So we work right up till Christmas as well. So it's so busy with work. And then there's all these like fun events that I class as like celebrity events that I get to go to, like your sports personalities and like some like fun award stuff. But then it's like the kids stuff on top of that. It's like ridiculous. It's mental. We just did Lapland in London, not 
Lapland, Lapland, and stuff like that. And then there's school fairs, there's all these like, breakfast with Santas, all these sorts of things. And the elf just stresses me out. Trying to every night, we were like, right, we're going to make the elf so good this year. We're going to get really creative. And every night we get into bed, get really comfy, and then go, crap, we haven't done the elf. <laughs> like, I have to run downstairs. <laughs> I'm terrible. I don't do the elf. I'm like, I can't handle the elf on top of everything else. I just slowly back away from the elf. Do you know what? My daughter loves it. She's so obsessed with it. It's like her favourite thing. She actually prefers it to advent calendars. So like, I so want to do it because she just loves it so much. But oh gosh, hard work for parents when you're trying to do everything else and you're like, oh. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely crazy. And so when things get full on for you, like you've got all those plates spinning and I know you've got a little one, an older one, the business, everything else. What are some of your go-to tools that you use to stay grounded and calm? Do you know what? Mine is just family quiet time as well. At weekends, it's one of those, I have to have one of the days, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, where we're at home. And that is like really important for me because I think working all week, whatever, and then it's nice to do stuff at weekend. But I think lockdown really changed my opinion on not filling up too much. I think before lockdown, it was like, well, what are we doing on Saturday? What are we doing on Sunday? Whereas since lockdown really taught me to slow down. And actually, you don't need to be doing something all the time with the kids, actually just doing stuff at home and just doing those, like playing with those games that you have got at home and the toys that you have got at home is actually really important. So I definitely love to do that sort of stuff. For me, it's like watching a Christmas film or something like that as well is like my absolute go-to. But just trying not to run myself ragged, to be honest, with just, I think, the pressure of Christmas and getting the perfect gift and making sure they're all wrapped and everybody gets them and all this sort of stuff, you end up just exhausted by the time Christmas comes along and then you get ill over Christmas. So I think for me, I'm just like this year, we're really scaling back on Christmas and just keeping it quite chilled because we're actually moving house in January. So we're adding another stress. So it's literally a little bit full on. That is a lot. And do you do goals and resolutions? I imagine all of your swimming career was all about the next goal, the next goal. Have you dropped that now or do you still lean into that discipline in terms of planning your year? I used to. For so many years, I did it. I used to keep like a bit of a journal. It wasn't like a diary, but you know, those journals that you can kind of put stuff in. And I used to do them and it was always a case of reflecting back on the year that's just gone and also then putting in those goals. And I didn't do it last year. I think it was just one of those last year where I was like, it was the first year I didn't really set myself anything and I didn't really set myself any resolutions either. Because I was like, I just don't know whether I'm adding another layer of pressure of oh gosh I've got to do this because I've never really stuck to them in in the past and whatever I've kind of said I wanted to do within that year I've never really ended up doing which just for one reason or another so I think that for me it's just a case of now I kind of don't I do like to plan stuff certain things so I like to like say holidays get things like that booked in or things to look forward to within the year but they're not like goals as such if you know what I mean, if that makes sense does that feel quite nice because I imagine so much of your Olympic career was just completely disciplined does it feel quite nice now to be able to just relax into that or do you miss that structure 
I think that's why I've stopped doing them and why I feel now so free because I'm like, oh, I am very organized. Like I am like that annoying person that has to have everything in place. All my friends, it's like, I have to plan everything. I have to know what time and I have to know this. I'm like, I'm a bit like Monica from Friends because I love everything being organized. And I think sport gave me that. Like you have to be really organized in that way. And I think as a mum, you do. Like if you're not organized as a mum, I just don't know what's going on with two kids taking them everywhere doing everything like you can't function if you're not organized so I do like a weekly planner on a Sunday night I'll fill in like the weekly planner that we stick on our fridge and I'll put everything in there in different color pens and I love doing all all that sort of stuff so yeah it's a bit geeky sorry but I do love all that sort of stuff but I think when it comes to like a year plan and a year goal because I do them at work and I do them the weekly and I'm like it's just too much to add in another dimension so it's really nice and freeing and plus as you get older you kind of go well it'll be what it'll be this year won't it exactly it's like there's some stat where it's like I think 96% of resolutions are never achieved which just makes complete sense doesn't it because we tend to make them way too big anyway and then it's like just sort of impossible and we forget about them and yeah I completely agree the thing is as well life changes so much you set out a thing that goes right I'd like to do this and then something happens in your life that completely takes it off in a different direction and I actually think it just means that you can be more flexible and adaptable when you've not got those kind of real heavy I want to achieve this sort of thing targets in there because life is stressful as it is let's not add more what have been some of those big curveballs that have come your way in your life I think from a personal aspect, it's been like one of those that's just been an absolute roller coaster with getting married, having summer, getting divorced, meeting my new partner, having a baby. Then we got married after I had a baby and it was just kind of like all these sorts of things. I never expected to have my first child and become a single parent. And then obviously meeting my husband and now having two kids under one roof and someone's got a stepdad and all these family dynamics you don't set up for in your life. You don't expect them to happen, do you? But actually they really work and it's really manageable. Like I always have this perception of it being quite a negative thing. I think when you watch films as a kid, like Cinderella, you expect it to be like a wicked stepmom. And I know Andy's a stepdad, but it's not real life. But I think you have these ideas in your head. And then even this year, we got pregnant and then I had a miscarriage in the summer as well. Again, something that I just never expected to happen because you don't do, you don't go into everything thinking the absolute worst so it's just one of those that you just think you finally set up in life and then something else happens and it completely takes you off in a different direction Mm, I'm so sorry about that miscarriage I had two before we had our little youngest one it's just unbelievably heartbreaking it is and it's one of those that can't actually believe how common it is What happened with us is obviously we went to a 12-week scan and then that's how we found out. And then they took me upstairs and Andy upstairs to this room that was kind of full of leaflets and different information and kind of talking to us about what happens next, etc. And all the statistics in there that it's like one in five or one in six people have miscarriage. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And it wasn't until... I'd known a couple of people in my life, don't get me wrong, that had had one that are close friends and family. And I'd spoken to them about it as it happened to them. But as soon as then I kind of said, 
I had had one, I couldn't believe how pretty much everyone I spoke to was like, yeah, we've had one as well. We've had a couple. And it's like, my gosh, I never really realized until it happens, until you kind of get exposed to something, how common it was. And I think because we've got two kids already, I just expected it to be okay. Like I was like, oh, I've been pregnant before. And I kind of didn't even think about it in that aspect I kind of took it really really for granted because I had already had two healthy children it completely threw us off as well and something just so unexpected and I didn't have any signs of a miscarriage either I had absolutely nothing to say I'd had a miscarriage at all so it was just a really difficult one because you're so excited to go for that scan aren't you and then within 30 seconds I just knew just from looking at her face that it wasn't positive and it's just the most heartbreaking 30 seconds to a minute of your life that you'll probably ever experience and it is just an awful awful thing to happen all around I had the same experience you're hyper vigilant aren't you watching the face and then you you know very quickly how did you process it what's that recovery looked like for you Oh, do you know what? I don't think we really did. I think I just burst into tears when it happened. And then I just couldn't stop crying for the rest of that day. And my partner, Andy, was really upset as well. So both of us trying to juggle these emotions because we got told I had to have emergency surgery the following morning. You then go into this thing of plan and it's like, okay, well, I've got to have this because it's a medical procedure. And you've kind of got to realize that you have got something to happen afterwards but then it's really difficult because it's like oh well I don't want to have an operation and go through this process and I unfortunately got sepsis in hospital as well so I ended up being super poorly and just so ill I couldn't even process everything that was going on because I just felt so ill I just couldn't understand what was happening to my body and I was like oh my gosh I just felt horrific and it was just a really hard thing to process and then you come home and you've got these two wonderful children that mean the absolute world to me, but also you're trying to go through grief and yet kids just want to play with you. So it's a really hard one. For me and my partner, it's not until we've really like the kids are in bed or we've spent a bit of time on our own that we've really spoken about stuff because I think we both had in our head, I know it's silly because we were only 12 weeks into it, but we had started to like Andy was convinced that we were going to have a girl and we were like oh well we'll be due around this time so like what holidays we get like you start to make little plans in your head don't you and little expectations which I know some people might say we shouldn't do that before 12 weeks anyway but you can't help it can you it's just natural that you do that so it was just one of those for us that it was kind of like oh okay none of that's happening now and it's kind of all that it kind of just throws you back in and out of it all the time So yeah, it's not an easy thing to go through for anyone. No, it's really not. It was a few years ago for me now, but it sort of lives with you forever, that experience. It does for anyone, absolutely everyone, because it's a part of you and your partner as well. That's the thing, it's a little bit of you and that's how I see it. And it's like you're sad for yourself, but you're also sad for your partner as well because that was a little bit of them and it's a hard thing to process as a couple. It really is. And I really heard what you're saying about space as well. Like it's so hard as parents to, when something big happens, to create the space to properly process it and grieve it because life doesn't stop, does it? That's what's so hard. You've still got to keep on with everything else. Did you speak to your daughter about it? Did she know you were pregnant? 
No, so she knew I was ill. She knew I was in hospital. She was with me when we had to phone the ambulance to come and pick me up and take me to hospital. And she got really upset. But obviously we explained, Not I didn't say I had sepsis because that means nothing to her, but I kind of explained that mommy was poorly, et cetera, and all that sort of stuff. But nothing about the pregnancy, just because she's seven. And I don't really know how a seven-year-old is meant to process something like that because as an adult, I struggle to process it, let alone a seven-year-old. Yeah, I think it's just one of those that I have cried in front of summer. And like, the thing is for me, my parents never really cried when I was little. They always tried to do stuff behind closed doors. I never really saw it. It was only since I've got older that I've ever seen my dad cry. It was always one of those growing up that I'm like, dad doesn't cry because they were the strong ones and kind of I had this perception. Whereas actually, we're all human. And obviously, I've seen my parents cry now, but it's one of those that I want summer to learn that mummy and daddy and, and Andy, we get upset as adults. It's okay to be upset about things and process those emotions because I want her to see that heartbreak, that kind of why mummy's upset and everything else because actually that's real life and I don't want her to go through life thinking that nothing bad ever happens and that life is all rosy. So I have tried to take that approach with parenting anyway just the fact that we do have sad days. We do have times where like things upset me. And obviously, I don't go into detail about stuff that's happened. But I kind of say, oh, something happened today at work that upset mummy or something happened. And we do try to explain little bits because that's real life. What else are you trying to teach her about life? What are you taking from your Olympic experience that you're trying to weave into your parenting? The one thing that Summer is, it really frustrates me that she never, ever finishes a task or never finishes anything. She starts so many things. And then it's like, even if it's something at the weekend, she's like, mommy, can we do painting? I'm like, yeah, yeah. So she starts doing a bit and then she just walks away from the picture halfway through and she's like, I'm done. Like, everything. And I'm like, so I'm trying to get her to finish things off. And like, we've got to round that up. So even if we're playing with a toy, no, we've got to pack this toy away or the game away to put it away to start a new one. And that's something I think from sport, like, it's given me that we complete things. You complete your training. You complete your race. Like you've got to be able to like, even if you've not enjoyed or even if you've not done very well, you've still got to finish the race. You've still got to do all that. So I think that's something with some of like, it's hard when she just gives up all the time. And I'm like, you cannot keep giving up. So that's like a life lesson that I'm really keen for her to have as she grows up. I'm like, you can't just walk out of a job interview when you're older. <laughs> She's like, I'm done now. I'm like, you've got to finish things. It's hard, isn't it? Because I have this as well with my girls sometimes, like when to allow them to, on a bigger level, not on like the paints, which obviously make the way, but like on the bigger level, when to allow them to quit something or finish something. And I was wondering what your view was on that with your amazing sort of lens from your sporting career. Because I see so many parents, they do judo on a Monday and swimming on a Tuesday and something else on a Wednesday and something else on a Thursday. And it's like, at what point do we help our children not do maybe stuff they're not loving and focus them in on what they do love? I think that completely depends on what the task is, like 100%. I know with some of the things, with some of that she's tried just doing different activities or whatever. My daughter did ballet for a little bit, but she wasn't massively enjoying ballet and she wasn't massively into it. She liked the dance element, but not so much the stretching. There was different bits of it. She's so unflexible, bless her. (laughs) She was just like, no. 
And I think that was that conversation, like, Summer, do you want to still go? And, and things like that, she did eventually stop. And we then took up gymnastics, which was a little bit more movement than ballet was, because ballet is obviously ridiculously hard, so is gymnastics. But we kind of swapped it for something else. I think with swimming, so my daughter will say to me, she's like, but mommy, I don't want to go to a lesson today. And like, that is an absolute non-negotiable. I'm like, Summer, until you can swim... 50 meters until you can tread water and until you, I know that you can swim completely unaided you're going and like that's an absolute non-negotiable so there's certain things that I'm like that's a life skill that is a different thing and it's not because I'm from the world of swimming like I don't expect her to join a club or make the Olympics it's just such a fundamental life skill that I'm like you're doing that whereas with other things I kind of want to give it a bit of time like she started doing piano over the past couple of months and she's still only at the real basics is kind of one of those that I'm like no no let's get to a point where you're a bit more can read the music like I do give things a lot more time because I'm like as an adult it takes us time to learn things I wouldn't just go to the gym once and think oh I'm going to be fit now <laughs> so it's the gym once but no matter what task I'm doing I don't think by making one cake I can learn how to bake so I think everything you've kind of got to give a little bit more time to and kind of give it that. But if they're really not enjoying something, like if she ever really doesn't enjoy something, then we stop because I'm like, actually, you've got to love it. And if you're really not enjoying it, then let's find something that you do. Did you always love swimming? I've heard you talk about this, how you just always loved it. And there was never a part of you that was like, I can't be bothered. I can't wrap my head around that. When you do grow up in a small town and there is an, an abundance of stuff to do, because that's the thing now, that kids have so many different things to do. It's like, how do you as a parent prioritize what your kids do? Because I'm a bit the same and Summer has so many different activities as well. And so even Albie does and he's one. And I'm like, how is this possible for a one-year-old to have a busier calendar than me? I'm like, what's that about? I think for me, growing up, there wasn't that many options available. Like I'm talking like 30 years ago. So 30 years ago, it was kind of like I could join ballet, swim in, and then a bit of running and stuff at school. So it was just always that I went to swim in and I just absolutely loved it. So there wasn't as many activities that I could choose from. So I think that helped growing up as well. But I just loved it. I loved like the feeling of being in water all my mates there and I just absolutely loved the confidence it gave me as well knowing that I could do something and that I was getting better and getting faster at something it was a real confidence boost especially in those teenage years like when you're just so insecure and you're like oh swimming was that thing for me that just helped me feel a bit more okay I'm doing something I'm I'm helped me through those insecurity years I guess you talk about those insecurity years and I feel like being a teenage girl, this day and age is so hard. How did sport protect you from some of those pressures, do you think? Do you know what? I can see both sides of it because a lot of people say to me, how were you a teenage girl wearing barely anything, going through puberty periods, having sports, having to shave your leg, all these different things that you're going through as a teenage girl and fancy and boys and all this different aspects of your friends are having parties and you're not going and there was that side of course there was it wasn't that I loved putting on a swimming costume of course I didn't but actually it taught me in my teenage years that what 
incredible things the human body can do. It taught me to look at my body in a completely different way to what my school friends were. My school friends were just looking at their bodies as something that was appearance. I was looking at my body from a, well, it's my tool. It's how I get as quickly from A to B in the pool as possible and how efficient I can be and that I've got to fuel it properly. I would look at somebody else's body and think, oh, wow, they're strong instead of, oh, they've got a spot or they haven't done their hair today. I would look at it completely different. And that's exactly the same. Once you get into sport, people aren't bothered that my hair's wet, look a bit like a drowned rat, got no makeup on because everybody's in the same boat. So it really, really normalizes it. And I was so glad that I could look at my body in a different way, that I could look at how amazing it was that my body has given me four Olympic medals that just from my human body, it's just a pretty incredible thing that you learn in your teenage years. And I think it's something that can help anyone no matter what sport they're in, just to have that confidence because I wasn't that confident at school and I wasn't that confident like in big groups of people or at parties, but I was confident at the pool. I was like, okay, I've done the training. I know what I'm doing here. And I genuinely don't know where I would be or what type of person I would be without that. I think I would just be such a quiet, reserved, just stay in the background sort of person if it wasn't for swimming. A quick word from this week's sponsor, Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens because I wanted more energy. And now I've been taking it every day for well over a year because not only does it give me energy, it has also made my sleep better, my skin better, and I just feel better. AG1 has 75 whole food source ingredients designed to optimize the key areas of our health. It takes minute to mix it up. So with very little time in our busy, busy, busy lives, taking my Athletic Greens is one thing I can do every single day to take care of myself. Every time I have it, I'm showing myself through my actions that I deserve to feel good and I am worth looking after. It helps me remember my mantra. I can only be the mother I want to be when I look after myself too. So, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash motherkind. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash motherkind to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I love hearing you speak about as a teenager, you weren't looking objectifying bodies, you were looking at their strength and their power. What's your relationship been like with your body during and post motherhood? Have you been able to keep that really positive love for your body? I think it's a strange one with having kids. I think when I had summer, it was kind of one of those, I was probably in the best shape of my life when I had summer. So then to obviously my body just massively changing afterwards, And I managed within pretty much, I think it was around a year, I got back into some sort of, I wouldn't say shape because I wasn't super fit or anything, but I was able after that year to wear the clothes I had pre-baby and things. I felt kind of more comfortable in that aspect because I was like, okay, I've changed a little bit and I've got a bit more of a tummy pouch. I call it my little tire, my little pouch that just hangs like a little kangaroo. But it's one of those that I had a bit more of that, but I was really accepting of it. It wasn't until I've had Albie that 
my body shape massively changed as in I'm now way bigger. I'm now a size 14. I can't fit in any of my clothes after that. And it's been nearly two years since I had Albie. So my body shape has now massively changed. It's like a proper tummy now that's like, it doesn't go anywhere. And it's one of those stretch marks, cellulite, everything else. And I think at first I really struggled with that aspect and I was like I need to go back to the gym and I need to do this and I just started to notice I was really negative about my body like really negative didn't want to wear skimpy clothes didn't want to wear a bikini anymore on holiday I just wanted to wear a swimsuit and I noticed that my inner voice so like when I was looking in the mirror was really really negative instead of being like oh okay I look all right today I like this outfit I'd be like oh well I don't look as fat as I do I just know Notice the real negativity kept coming in. And I think as soon as I clocked that, and as soon as I kind of spoke to like my husband and stuff like that, I kind of became a bit more accepting, going, hold on, this isn't right that I'm putting that negativity. I've had two beautiful children, and actually, my body is just different now. And as long as I'm healthy, so my thing now is making sure I'm healthy. So I exercise two or three times a week to stay fit and healthy because I just want to live as long as I can. I don't work out to be a size 10 anymore. I'm not doing it to be super skinny. I have a healthy relationship with food that I eat well, I love to cook, but also if I'm going to go out with the kids, I'm going to have a slice of cake and I'm going to share it with them. I don't hold myself back from things either. And I think it's become a much better place since I've accepted this is what my body is now. I'm not an Olympic athlete. I've been retired 10 years and this is now my body. I want to drill into this a bit more because I think this is something that so many women struggle with is that acceptance. How did you go from that sort of, like you say, feeling at war with your body and shaming yourself internally to that acceptance? What was that gap in the middle? You talked about speaking to your husband. What else did you do that helped you get there? Because I think this is a massive challenge for so many mothers. Do you know what? I remember something that one of my friends said to me ages and ages ago. It was actually more with Summer, but I remembered it and it really resonated more with me after I had Albie. Is the fact that I was talking about the fact that I've got loads of stretch marks. And she said she'd got a little boy who was premature. And she turned around to me and went, Becky, I'd love to have stretch marks. And I was like, why? What do you mean? And she went, well, we had the whole process of him being premature, not knowing what it was going to be like, not having that full-term pregnancy, having an emergency cesarean and going through this whole traumatic experience. And it was that moment, it just stayed with me. And I think after I had Albi, it was that, that I have got a lot more stretch marks now. My skin didn't bounce back like it did with the first. And I, I actually kind of kept going back to that. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's so right that actually I have had a really healthy baby and any time that I started to think negatively or upset that something doesn't fit me, I only have to like see Albie's little face and just be like, oh, but I made that. I grew that in my tummy. Like that's absolutely amazing. So I think always kind of relating it back and I think is just stopping yourself from having those thoughts. I think the hardest bit was buying more clothes to fit me that was the real hard bit but now I've got them it's almost easier it's just that hard process of when you're finally chucking out the old ones like and I have like I fully got rid of them I think in the past I've gone oh well I'll hold on to that just in case I get back into it 
I haven't this time because that's part of me accepting my body. Do you know what? I am actually going to put them away. Like I took some out, but I also put some in a box and just put them in the cellar. So I can't see them. I don't physically see them every single day because I think that's where it can create a negative thing. If you're seeing them every day in your wardrobe going, well, I can't wear you because I'm bigger now. That's when it can create this negativity. So I kind of put them away, took some away, bought new sizes. And obviously it's taken a long time. I didn't just do a whole new wardrobe but I've kind of slowly built up now a bigger wardrobe that I'm like okay I think that's a positive step now that there's nothing visual that I can see that is too small of a size and everything I get is now just a 14 and that's just how it is so that's definitely helped as well and I think having a really loving partner as well like he's been great like I've kind of said to him not in a direct way but I was kind of like how do you feel about my weight now in a really sensitive way. And of course he was never going to turn around and be like, no, you need to lose some weight. But he just was like, I just want you happy and healthy. He was like, I just want you comfortable. You look great. And he fills me with that confidence going, wow, you look fantastic. And you look beautiful today. And give me all these compliments that really helps that. And I think sometimes we hear a compliment and I don't know whether you do this because I've noticed women do this. Someone will go, you look nice today. And instead of saying thank you and accepting it, you go, yeah, I got it on sale in next. It's like, well, hold on. That person didn't ask you how much it was or where you got it from. They literally just said you look nice. But women do this thing where you go, thanks, I got it on sale or I got it this. And it's so funny that women do that because men never do that. <laughs> so I don't know why we end up telling somebody where the item of clothing is from. So I think, again, when somebody gives you a compliment, really taking that on board and really going, that was really nice of them to say. And that was really good instead of just being like, yeah. Thanks. I got it from here. It's so true. I did it the other day and uh, my friend called me out on it. And she was like, don't do that. Just say thank you. I was like, oh yeah, just thank, thank you. Thank you. It's so hard. It's so hard. I think often it's because if someone says something that doesn't match to how we feel, it's like you want to bat it away. Cause that's just essentially you're like batting it back, aren't you? Just being like, oh no, don't compliment me. It can feel so uncomfortable. I think so many women are more comfortable with that critical voice than that kind voice. If someone's listening and they're struggling with their body image, what would you say to them? I think it's one of those that if you're struggling and you're genuinely unhappy, then I think like you have that power to make really, really simple changes. And there is definitely that aspect. So I understand that there is two sides of this because there is that accepting part. There is that feeling more comfortable in your own skin. But then there is also small things. Like I was noticing that I was kind of having a glass of wine maybe too much in the week. So I was like, okay, maybe I should leave like having a glass of wine to the weekend because that is a whole load of calories in that wine. And things like that. Obviously, there is small things you can do that instead of picking up a chocolate bar you can have a a piece of fruit or whatever it is or knowing when your treats are going to be so of course there's that aspect and I think we're in control of that I kind of know I have more impact on my weight what I eat than I do going to the gym like going to the gym doesn't help me massively I won't lose loads of weight from going to the gym but it will just keep me strong and keep me ticking over whereas it's what I eat that I know is like oh I have a balanced diet, but I certainly don't eat a healthy diet or anything like that. But I think that acceptance bit, I saw something recently that was a quote that your body doesn't recover from giving birth until 18 to 24 months. It takes that long. 
And I think there's this perception that anyone that has a baby, that within three or four months, because we see celebrities or we see other people that bounce straight back into shape, that you're like, how have you had a baby? And we compare ourselves, which that's not okay. Everyone is in a different position and a different place. And certainly with Albie, my second, because I was so much older because there was such a big age gap. My body was so different that I couldn't ever expect it to be the same as the first. So not putting those expectations on myself. And I think it's really important that other mums don't put that expectation on yourself because you are growing a human being. Obviously, afterwards, you're helping this human being survive. That is way better than trying to fit into a size pair of 10 jeans or whatever. You are doing amazing things by just keeping this baby alive and surviving. So the main thing is just sleep, eat, look after yourself, love that child, love everything else, over worrying about fitting into a dress or anything else. It's just like life's too short for that. (laughs) I actually heard that same stat that it was seven years for everything to go back fully in place. It's seven years. Isn't that insane? But if you think about it, all our organs move. I mean, it's just insane what happens. It's bonkers. And I wanted to ask you about co-parenting because on glossy Insta life, it looks like you guys have just nailed co-parenting. And I'm sure that there is struggles and challenges and real life within that. And I know, again, that's something that so many people find challenging or worry about. You know, I know a reason lots of people stay in relationships they're not that happy in is because they so worry about how that is going to work. What have you really learned about yourself and about co-parenting through that journey that you've been on? Somebody told me after we separated with Summer was now actually in the majority of people at school because more households are separated than they are together now. And that was actually like, whoa, I was like, I did not realize that. And I think it's kind of that acceptance, again, that it's completely normal. Everyone's situations are so, so different. And I think for us, obviously, it was a case of we've had to navigate co-parenting through a global pandemic and all this sort of stuff, which was a challenge as well. But I think the one thing, and I understand that not everybody has this, but the one thing that's why it works so well for us is because we always put summer first. And I know that's not always the case because I know a lot of other families struggle the fact that one parent isn't thinking of the best thing about their child or kind of not involved. And a lot of families, they might not see one of their parents at all. So I do appreciate that every situation is completely different. But for us, Harry has very similar values and morals and everything like myself. So we understand what the best thing is for Summer. And it's kind of like, I appreciate that he is a human being and he appreciates I'm a human being. Actually, we've got to navigate our own lives now. Harry now lives down south and it is a completely different dynamic now. I do have Summer majority of the time pretty much most of the time but it works because we can FaceTime her and they still see each other and it's not ever a case of that I'm fighting that she can't see him or he doesn't want her to see me like we work together because we support each other and we communicate the best thing you can do is communicate and we have really good open communication in that aspect where it affects summer if anything's going to affect summer then the other one needs to know about it 
I was listening to you on another podcast and it just seems like your blended family, there's just so much love. That's what it seems like. And I'm sure that's the reality as well. It almost exudes out of everything that you share. What's it been like for your new partner being a stepdad? Do you know what? He has always been such a brilliant stepdad because he came into, well, our lives, I should say, when Summer was two. So she wasn't a baby, but she certainly was little. So I think because she was two, he's kind of really enjoyed that kind of playful side, getting to know her. Like he's always been an absolutely fantastic stepdad. And then when we got pregnant, he was really worried about becoming a parent. And I was like, why? You're a fantastic stepdad. Like you've got it nailed like but obviously he had never been used to the baby baby stage so I think he was more nervous about them being babies whereas actually he's just fantastic like he's always been really respectful of Harry and the situation and actually he's just ace with Summer like he's so great with her and obviously with Albie as well but yeah the family dynamic just really really works and I'm not saying that it's always easy. We all have our moments where it's like, okay, come on. And we have to like not have arguments, but we have open conversations about what right, what's right, because we all want to parents slightly different, which is I think normal even if you weren't part of a situation that was co-parenting and stepdads and everything else, because even me and Andy as husband and wife, we sometimes disagree on things because everybody's brought up differently and everyone has their own opinion. It's life. When you think about your your values and the most important things that you want to instill in your children, what are they? I always say it to Summer that I do not care what Summer does when she grows up. For me, a job is a label that we get given that, oh, you're a lawyer, oh, you're this. And it's a label that actually doesn't need to exist because you're just, I'm just Becky. It doesn't matter what my job is, I'm just Becky. And everyone's the same. It doesn't need a label as somebody that's how we identify ourselves because we have a job you are still a person so I always try to say to Summer I don't mind what she does when she grows up but I do want her to be a really good person I want her to be kind and loving and she is so kind and loving but I would rather have somebody that is just so kind than somebody who is really successful because actually being kind, she'll have loads of people around her that love and support her and she'll be such a great friend and person, sibling, everything to everyone if she has that bit of kindness. My second one that I'm always like, okay, is we don't lie. That is like my fundamental rule. I don't have many rules in my house, but one of my rules is we do not lie. Being honest is completely fundamental in our households that I do not accept anyone that lies. And I'm like, we just need to be honest and truthful, even if it's a difficult conversation, even if it's like she doesn't want to get herself in trouble, even though she's done something wrong. I always kind of like it when she's at least honest with me, as I think that gets you very far to be more genuine and really honest as you grow up as well. Summer is such a sociable butterfly that she's never going to have an issue with people because she absolutely loves it. But it's certainly one of those that, especially with Albie growing up as well, I just want them to be great people. That's all you can expect from as a parent, isn't it? Just be a really honest, lovely person. I'll be proud of that. That's it. I don't care about the rest. The rest will work itself out. But to be good, honest people is the most important thing. I feel the same. That's such a beautiful answer. And I always ask the same question at the end, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why? Do you know what? I have been thinking about this, but I think it would be 
to not have as much mum guilt. I think mum guilt is the killer for a lot of people, myself included. I really struggle with mum guilt of everything, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's going to work, whether it's going even on a date with my husband. I feel guilty if everything is not the kids 100%, whereas actually... I think sometimes we have just got to say, you know what, I'm still Becky. I am a mother, but I'm also a wife. I'm also a business owner. I'm also a friend. I'm also a daughter. I'm also all these other things that I absolutely love being. And I think if we just ease our little guilt a little bit, I certainly know if I ease my own guilt, it would probably be a lot easier some of the time rather than just letting mum guilt creep in. So I think a world with a little less mum guilt would be a good place. 100% I talk about it all the time on socials and in the podcast because I think yeah if we could just free ourselves and that'd be amazing and tell us about the business tell us about where people can learn more about your swim school so it's called swim it's from zero to 11 so right from when you kind of give birth like I took my kids from kind of three four weeks old and taking them into lessons and kind of obviously then developing into their after school lessons where the parents not in the water with them but we're like a purpose-built facility for kids so it's like kid friendly they're not leisure centers nobody else can use the facilities the minute you walk through the door it's that personalized children kind of just learning to swim experience from the changing rooms to the pool lovely 31 degrees, just like a really safe, fun, amazing environment to learn how to swim. We're not an Olympic program. Please don't think that everyone thinks, well, Becky, you must run like an Olympic. Do people think that it's going to be like a hot house because you're doing it? (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to like talent ID kids and like send them to the Olympics. I'm like, no, no, no. We're just about learning to swim. It's just a fundamental life skill, guys. So yeah, we're definitely that. But it's fab because we've opened up three more venues this year. So we've now got eight venues and we're opening up two in the new year as well. So we're opening up in Old Brain near Birmingham and Newcastle as well. So it's amazing to have new sites coming on, especially when so many pools up and down the country are closing. It's amazing that we're opening so many and obviously being a fundamental life skill for kids is just amazing. What have you found most exciting since you started the business? I think it's just seeing the kids so many adults actually not just kids talk to me about sometimes their negative experience with swimming whether that's been that they got thrown in or fell into water when they were little or their teacher was horrible or they had a really bad experience of nearly drowning or all these different things that put adults off let alone children but actually it's that it's the fact that they're coming through the door and being really safe in a warm environment that you're not thinking about well you're going to have a bad experience because the teachers are in the water with you and it's just seeing the kids faces like honestly I'd give up any of my Olympic medals to just see how happy the kids are in the water because that is the most rewarding part of my job is seeing how happy the kids are I'm so appreciative of those Olympic medals for giving me this opportunity to now have this career, but I much prefer this career because it's just so much more rewarding, definitely. That's good to hear you say that. And where do people learn more? What's the web address? The website is just swim.co.uk. And you've got eight venues, so people can just go on there and look at where the swim school is and then see if there's one near them and off they go. Exactly that. And you get a free lesson as well. So the first one, you can just come and try for free, no cost at all. Come down to a lesson, see how the kids like it, see the facility. And then obviously, if they want a book, they can afterwards. But it's totally there for a free lesson as well. Amazing. Well, I'm going to go and see if you've got one near me because both my girls need to improve their swimming. (laughs) 
been an absolute joy chatting to you. Thank you so much for your time. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I could chat to you all day. We'll do that one day over a cuppa, maybe at swim school. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So that was the episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it. As ever, if you did, please consider sharing it with your friends and leaving me a review on iTunes. It really does make a difference to the number of mums that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom of the guests I have on. 